I think that will help really position these business owners and suppliers to really be successful and really get a piece of the larger pie. Because I think that's how you create the integration. That's how you create that racial equity we're talking about. It's getting them access to capital, access to knowledge, access to resources so they can scale their businesses. And again, get a part of that larger pie of success and you know um, profits you know, to really thrive and be a pillar in the you know, small business or supplier diversity ecosystem. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore here in studio with Chloe Goodry-Reed. And in today's episode, we're joined by Michael Baptiste and Margaret Beckley from the Metro Atlanta Chamber. The Metro Atlanta Chamber works to position Metro Atlanta as their top-tier global region by focusing on economic development, public policy, and promotion. Its efforts build on the qualities that make Atlanta one of the nation's most unique metros, its neighborhoods, culture, quality of life, welcoming businesses, business community, and more. Michael and Margaret are part of that effort, and we're so happy to have them here with us today. Guys, welcome to the show. We're so excited to talk to you. Yes, welcome, welcome. Thanks, Thank thanks for having us. So let's get started. Why don't, Margaret, Michael, why don't you tell us what you guys do, both do at the Metro Chamber? Yeah, absolutely. So I serve as a program manager for our economic development team, where I lead many of our cross-functional programs and initiatives. And I also manage the Atlanta Esports Alliance, which is one of those programs. Specifically within the DEI space, I work in collaboration with Michael's team, the DEI team, to lead our economic development team's initiatives around inclusive economic development, which is part of our ATL Action for Racial Equity. And within that, that includes supplier diversity and access to capital. Uh, Again, my name is Michael Baptiste. I'm the Vice President of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion here at the chamber. Um, in my role, I pretty much lead our organizational DI internal and external efforts. So on, on the internal side, I tend to focus on our workforce, workplace, marketplace, as well as sustainability and accountability. And then on the external side, I lead our ATL Action for Racial Equity work, focuses on addressing immobility, inequity, and systemic racism within the metro Atlanta region. So the initiative has about four key focus areas that we highlight. Um, First is corporate policies, uh, which focuses on how do we advance um, Black talent. Um, Inclusive economic development focuses on um, how do we better support Black entrepreneurship, 
as well as supplier diversity. Um, education focuses on um, how do we close the education gap between our black and white students and then workforce development focus on how do we close that skills and income gap between our black and white workforces. Nice, nice. That is all amazing work. Um, but Margaret, let's jump back to you for just one second. You brought up an interesting term and if people caught it, they're like, what? And that is esports, right? And this is something that I knew nothing of probably up until about three, four years ago. Um, and it's actually quite the cutting edge of things right now, right? When you start thinking about metaverses and stuff like that, this is kind of the new up and coming thing. And there's a lot of play in this in the DEI space too. So don't let's not spend a lot of time on it, but do help kind of educate our audience to what that is and maybe something they need to kind of keep their ears perked up to to hear about in the months and years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I threw it in there because while on the surface, it might not seem like it's connected, like you mentioned, it is right. very much connected with where it's heading. Esports has been around since arcades have been around. Anytime people have gotten together to game and compete. But the last couple of years, especially the esports kind of ecosystem has a, has exploded. It's a massive, massive economic industry. That's where we focus on from the, the economic development standpoint of it. Uh, the Atlanta Esports Alliance exists to kind of grow and promote the ecosystem in Atlanta, the esports and gaming ecosystem. And that's through supporting the game developers that we have, the publishers, but also recruiting major esports events. That's the the origin of, of the Atlanta Esports Alliance. But like you mentioned, there's a lot of kind of discussion around equity within the Atlanta Esports, within esports in general. Just again, going back to its origins, you know, you you would need to have a computer, access to internet, kind of disposable income in order to, to get into the space in the first place. And now with the metaverse and the broadening of it, at one in one sense, it's it's democratizing it. Um, it's opening up to everybody, especially, you know, mo- even with just the introduction of mobile games. But I think we all know with with any democratization and, and expanding, you have to make sure that you're still doing it with a lens towards equity and doing it in the, the appropriate ways. Right. Because we're not talking about just any old laptops. We're not talking about just any old internet connections, right? I mean, these are some of these machines that I have seen are like highly tuned, very specific, and they are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. So, but thank you for that. I, I really appreciate that because I know that's one of those things and and people don't realize it, especially in our space, that esports actually is one of those those ways that we're helping bridge some of those equity divides and, yeah, and opportunities, especially at the collegiate level, yes. right? Because there's a lot of money to go to school on esports scholarships. Um, and so that's really kind of everything is a degree of changing, of, of closing the divide, right? But that's one of those many tools that we have in our tool chest to help close that divide. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's a number of organizations that we work with that are, like you mentioned, the collegiate space, um, but also the K through 12, using it to bridge the, yep. the technical skills divide and hopefully teach kids of all different backgrounds needed technical skills in today's day and age. Well, Michael, I definitely want to hear about Mac's initiative around ATL action for racial equity. I mean, we're talking about equity, equity to education, computers, access to esports, but just in general, talk to us a little bit more broadly around the initiative and the role that Metro Atlanta Chamber plays. Yeah, no problem. So we started the initiative, we launched the initiative, I should say, uh, last February of 2021. Um, and 
and it came on the heels as most companies organization um, rally around and rally rallying around in action, you know, following the summer of unrest with the unfortunate murder of George Floyd. And so Mac took a position around, okay, given our position as this convener and connector of the business community, what can we do to kind of rally the troops around um, moving the needle around racial equity or systemic racism within the Metro Atlanta region? So we went on kind of our fact-finding mission and, and kind of having conversations, looking at the data and realizing that you know, we have this, we have these relationships and partnerships, how can we utilize them and best take advantage of those? And so that kind of birthed the ATL Action for Racial Equity work. Um, and there was an intentionality based on the data, research, and conversation that the initial focus be on the Black community. Um, now, we know all communities have been affected, particularly around these, these last two or three years. And so, you know, with that said, we can't solve every issue with every marginalized group, but we felt at least starting here, this will be a good starting place for us to kind of focus with our efforts. And we do realize, you know, as I talk about this work, all the actions and recommendations that we came up with regarding this plan are transferable across marginalized groups. So even though we have an initial focus on the Black community, it, it applies to, you know, all demographics or all marginalized groups. And so what is A to Action Racial Equity? Basically, is us is telling our committed companies that, you know, they are committed to doing some type of action. So whether it's having targeted actions, measurable results, and sharing lessons learned around this racial equity journey. So to date, we have about 250 companies that have committed to doing this work. And what we've done with each of the focus areas, created playbooks for organizations to utilize on their racial equity journey. So wherever you are, if you're just beginning, if you're just thinking about it, or if you've done some efforts or you're leading in this work, there's an action plan or recommendation steps for you to take to do something around racial equity in your organization. Um, and we chose the four, those four focus areas because those seem the one to really highlight, you know, where some of the inequities are um, and where the focuses should be as we move forward. And what, when I say this too, Mac is also participating. So we're not just talking about the effort. We are holding ourselves accountable to this work. So we are part of those, we are part of that committed companies that we that we talk about. The goal is just to really make sure that organizations are taking some type of action. Um, around this. And we realize this is a collective effort. It takes all of us. It's going to take the businesses, universities, the colleges, the schools. Uh, we also realize that this is a marathon, not a sprint. So this is a multi-year, multi-effort journey. We're not going to solve racism with just one, one swoop of this effort. It's going to take Times. Right. Well, I want to hear both of y'all's thoughts on this, but how, you know, what makes Atlanta a unique place for these type of initiatives and to lead the E&I initiatives mm-hmm. across all of these companies? Yeah, for me, and I'll, I'll take a stab and then, you know, Margaret could chime in as well. I think for me, it's the history of Atlanta, right? And its future and its potential. So, you know, it, Atlanta is known as the birthplace of civil rights. And so there's a rich history around that in terms of which carries a certain legacy or certain accountability and obligation to uh, for us to continue to carry this torch around that effort. Um, in the same breath, it's also a reminder that we still have a more work to do in regards to Martin Luther King's dream, um, because a lot of that has yet has not yet been fulfilled. Uh, we still have a lot of gaps to overcome, and so I think there's so much potential here, you know, to be a leader in a DNI space given the backdrop and the resources that we have available. But I do realize, I do also say that we still have to continue to push for the notion of racial equity to ensure that our communities of color can experience some of that the potential prosperity that Atlanta has to offer. I agree a thousand percent with Michael. I think to Atlanta is uniquely positioned due to the kind of business community input 
since the beginning. Um, I mean, the the chamber is on a is a one hundred and sixty year old organization. It's one of the oldest chambers in the United States, and part of that is because of the history of the business community being involved in the community. So I think that plays a role in when the community you know steps up and says this is important for not only the the culture and the business community, but you know, just how we live our lives. Uh, that's where you get initiatives like the HL Action for Racial Equity. Yeah, that that is absolutely amazing. And I think that's another thing you guys were talking about, kind of the unique position we sit in, being the birthplace of civil rights too. But it's also, Atlanta's probably one of the most culturally diverse cities I've ever been in or traveled to, right? I mean, uh, when, you, when you think about some of the other metropolitan areas, yeah, there are uh, obviously other cultures that rub shoulders. But really, I mean, the amount of cultural um diversity that we have inside atlantis is really mind-boggling you know i mean we sit at uh, a major port at savannah we have jackson hartsfield jackson uh sitting right here in the metro area right so it's easy to see how that would happen but kind of talk to us a little bit how mac intersects with this right through sports i mean we talked a little bit about esports but i mean we have other huge sports venues in here too that have national you know reach and um notoriety Plus, you know, events and uh, different cultural uh, happenings that are, are going on. It seems like almost continuously inside our city. There's always something uh, going on from that aspect. So talk to us a little bit about how, how the Metro Chamber uh, interacts uh, along those lines and, and helps continue to drive uh, your programs using those as, as outlets and partners. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, um, I'll jump in and Michael can add anything going back to the cultural and historical piece of Atlanta as a region, we were built as a, as a crossroads, as a um, kind of a place where, you know, people would come and go. And so that's, that's why we have such strong and diverse culture. Um, And a lot of that is, has lended itself to attracting these major sporting and cultural events, but also we use those major sporting and cultural events to, to help build that diverse culture. So the the Atlanta Esports Alliance is actually housed within the Atlanta Sports Council, which is a department of the Metro Atlanta Chamber. They are a um, an organization that recruits major sporting events to the Metro Atlanta region, and it kind of connects with our mission in general for economic and community development. A lot of people don't don't always understand that connection, but it really is to to grow and promote the Metro Atlanta region and that fits very well in it. One of our most recent prominent examples has been the bid for and winning uh, a bid to host the 2026 FIFA World Cup. That's very very exciting. Yes, congratulations. We're looking forward to it and and when you think about for anyone who is around or has seen the the impacts of it, when you think about the 1996 Olympic Games and the impact it had on Atlanta, that's kind of what we're viewing for the impact of FIFA World Cup and a lot of the other sporting and cultural events that we we try to attract. That, that's awesome. And, you know, we saw that a lot, too, when the uh, Super Bowl was here just a few years ago. Uh, there were quite a few minority businesses that got um, quite a bit of business uh, from them coming in. And, you know, we did see a overall revenue uptick inside the city too. So I can only imagine what something like FIFA, which has a worldwide purview, uh, will do as well. Yeah, that sounds it amazing. Helps, it helps put us even further on the international scale and um, 
and and microscope a little bit, but also helps bring attention to our work with ATL Action for Racial Equity, our business community, our minority business owners who who can be suppliers for these major programs. So full circle, they're they're great opportunities. Yeah, and when we talk about just the suppliers, minority suppliers, small and local suppliers, how are you guys engaging with them to make sure that they're aware of some of these opportunities and really just promoting entrepreneurship and innovation in general? I think one thing is probably an area that the transparent that we can do better. I think we are doing some things in this effort um, to to become more of a resource. Um, more partners with minority-owned businesses and suppliers. Um, but that's, that's the thing. That's why we preach that in the ATL Action Racial Equity work is how do we better support Black entrepreneurship, or in this case, minority ownership, minority ownership as well as supplier diversity, because that's that's a key. But to, to, I would say to back up a little bit, I think the, the key to all of this is really we have to figure out how to invite minority suppliers and businesses into the economic landscape. Um, because to me, it's a two-way commitment, right, from the suppliers and businesses, but also to the big corporations and the community. And so we, we know the history, you know, it's been well-documented for minority-owned businesses and women-owned business owners. It's a, it's a difficult journey to, to get that economic stimulus or economic success from your own business. Um, they simply don't have the same resources, access, and knowledge as their white male counterparts. And so that's why we really want to focus on that because we realize that that's a need that if we can get you know, our minority suppliers and our women-owned suppliers, those resources and guidance and um, mentorship or just you know, um, awareness of, hey, here's how, you, here's how you can be a competitive, here's how you can scale, I think that will help really position these business owners and suppliers to really be successful and really get a piece of the larger pie. Because I think that's that's how you kind of create the integration. That's how you create that racial equity we're talking about. It's getting them access to capital, access to knowledge, access to resources so they can scale their businesses and again get a part of that large, that larger pie of success and you know um, profits, you know, to really thrive and be a pillar in the you know, small business or supplier diversity ecosystem. I think you brought up a great point, right, Michael, and that's the, it's an ecosystem, right? It's, it's a combination of the large businesses, the small, small, diverse businesses, the economically disadvantaged businesses. But where are you guys seeing kind of that, the most entrepreneurial energy coming from, right? And I think that's something that we're always looking for is like the next innovative group uh, of of people that are you know going to kind of lead us into the next thing. We start thinking about sustainability and ESG and CSR and things that Chloe and I have talked about on the show time and time again. Where are you guys kind of seeing that energy, right? Is that something that's sponsored by the big businesses? Is that driven by our small and diverse businesses? Is it a combination of the two? What are you guys kind of seeing uh, and from your point of view over there at the Metro Chamber? I think it's a combination. Like you said, it's Atlanta the and the region in general, not just the city of Atlanta, is is consistently ranked as one of the best places for startups and entrepreneurs. And a lot of that is because it's it's not just coming from one place. It's it's being driven, you know, with assistance and help from the larger corporations. They have a a personal benefit of if they can find a uh, a company in their own backyard that they can acquire and integrate into their company, but also really they are the larger companies have been committed to developing the next major homegrown brand name 
So if you think about all the the big brand names in Atlanta, you can look at any one of them and see that they're involved some way in in startups and entrepreneurships. Um, A lot of that partnership comes with local and regional colleges and universities. There's a uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurship and innovation coming out of our colleges and universities. And it's, of course, you know, you think about Georgia Tech and Tech Square, um, but it's also our HBCUs. It's also Emory and, and the connection of all of those uh, higher education institutions. I mean, even speaking of connections, I mean, when I even think, when I think about the Metro Chamber, one of the things that I appreciate about you guys the most is that you are conveners and connectors. You're conveners of these conversations and a lot of times very tough conversations and not shy about it, but bringing together both large corporations, smaller corporations, and allowing them a space to meet and to have dialogue. And that in itself sometimes is just so powerful, but connect, making all those connections between these leaders across our community, I think is, is major. It's, it's one of the biggest things that I think help drive entrepreneurship and innovation by just allowing everyone to have a seat at the table. Absolutely. And I think now more than ever, we're having those hard conversations of, okay, we have this entrepreneurial energy in the, in the region of Atlanta. You know, how can we make sure that that entrepreneurial energy and access is equitable, is across the board? Because um, when you look at it, it is, you know, traditionally a white male space. Uh, and that's that's evident across almost all major cities that have strong startup entrepreneurship. It's just a matter of access to capital. But when you have talent leaving you know, the Valley, the Bay Area, coming to Atlanta specifically for that diversity and culture, I think we now have a, a mandate to help foster that. So that's that's kind of where that next level of, of hard conversation happens. And it is happening. It's a communal effort and a partnership, I think, within the community. So when I think about um, organization like the Russell Center um, for um, entrepreneurship innovation, that's what we talk about in terms of like, okay, how do we rally around our community resources to help a particular community that's marginalized really get the resources and the training and the awareness and the the knowledge to grow their business, be successful and be in, in competition or be competitive for these these projects uh, with these larger companies. And so that's that's again, going back to what you said before, Chloe, about the convening and connecting, that's part of our job as well. It's like, okay, how can we help this or this small business owner get connected with Russell Center who connects with now another organization? It, it's just all, it's all kind of runs a course in terms of like the connections that you can make being, you know, part of that ecosystem that we talked about. Absolutely. Which definitely leads to the economic development and the promotion of both large and small businesses. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the policy work too, because even though, yes, you guys are connectors and conveners, you are on the front lines of making sure that Georgia legislation is also in line with what you're hearing from the constituents, both large and small businesses. So I'd I'd love to hear a little bit more around some of those, the key areas and how public policy is just as important. So I'll I'll talk general because I'm not, I don't think it's a team, but I think in correlation to economic development and promotion, I think what we're, I think what the goal is, is just to make sure that we have, you know, fair legislation or fair um, 
policies that are in place to make sure everyone has kind of an equal playing field, equal playing ground with regards to how we do business here. Um, and even though to me, I think it's, it's crucial that those three um, entities economic development, public policy, and promotion, to me, they, they have to at least be on the same page, right? They may not necessarily all be in agreement, but there's a mutual understanding that those kind of intertwine and flow together in order to really make, to me, Atlanta or any region, a a, a region of choice or a region that's thriving. And we also realized too that, you know, end of the day, you know, we may not all agree with all legislation that comes down the pike, um, but realizing that we're thinking about it for the better good, right? The better good of the region, the better good of the the, the community and kind of what makes sense, I think, from, from all parties. Um, but the goal, I think, to me is just, you know, how do we get just everybody in a collaboration or partnership kind of relationship? So even if we do disagree, you know, there's a mutual respect there and um, an understanding that, you know, we, we're all in it to kind of help push the needle forward for, I think, the better good of the community. And, and last question that I, I just wanted to kind of pose to you guys for um, our smaller business owners that listen, you know, how can minority suppliers and business owners integrate themselves into Atlanta's economic landscape? How how can they get involved in what's going on in the city? I'll say definitely join, uh, whether it's the, the Metro Atlanta Chamber, which has a, you know, a very regional and and broad focus or even your local city or county chamber we work with all of those partners and our connect that's part of our collaboration and ecosystem so getting connected with your local chambers uh your local universities if you you know have a connection with one of them they're always they have you know maybe students that also have similar ideas can can assist um there's there's a, a variety of resources, but uh, connecting to organizations like the Russell Center that's focused specifically on minority-owned businesses and and helping them scale is a great first step. Yeah, I would just second that. I think just definitely you know getting connected with the chamber or your local chambers. Uh, but there's there's so many I think resources out there like the Russell Center. There's um, the Atlanta Business League. Um, Atlanta Black Chambers, the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Um, so there's there's so many entities I think to get associated with or get attached to. Um, but the one thing is that they got you got to step your foot out there and kind of you know put yourself out there so that way you can one network and connect and make these connections, but also to you know um, follow up with the resources and follow up with the different connections that you do make because um, the information is out there. The issue is you know one how do you get to it or how do we get the information to them. I think that's 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 the key as we kind of move forward. And so for our larger for our larger corporations who may be interested in accessing the ATL Action for Racial Equity playbook, whether they be in Atlanta or looking to do something in their own cities, how do they access or how do they find what you guys are doing? Yeah, there's a number of ways. So one, they could reach out to me directly. Um, they can also go to our website, www.atlracialequity.com. All the resources that I mentioned is there. It's free. It's downloadable. Uh, you can download the playbooks. You can download how to use the playbooks effectively. You can download. We, we did an assessment report that we're doing each year to kind of show the data around progress and, you know, still areas of improvement. Um so there's this plethora of ways to, 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 to get to the information. Like I said, it's, it's pretty much all on our website. They can download it. It's free. 
can also reach out to me directly. But yeah, we, we're, we're happy to kind of help and just help them guide their guide themselves along the way. Like I said, I think it's what's good about the, the initiative is that no matter where you are in your racial equity journey, there's a place to start, right? Even if you thought about it, haven't put any action to it, there's a place and direction for you to start from and to build over time, you know, how you want to go about, you know, your racial equity journey. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your comments, both Margaret and Michael. We just appreciate your time. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore, and be sure to follow the Metro Chamber at Metro Atlanta Chamber on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and check out our previous shows. Stay tuned for next time. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.